This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he tries to meditate, meditate daily. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. You're joining us on Chamber Chat Podcast, where I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Tony Felker, President and CEO of the Frisco Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for him. One of the key benefits that we've realized from Holman Brothers actually happened many years after we started using them. We just completed our new strategic plan and understanding those subtle differences between transactional benefits and transformational benefits, the companies that use what they expect has been a key part in our strategic plan. And we really want to thank Holman Brothers for that. You can learn more about Holman Brothers membership sales solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Hardy Smith. Hardy is a consultant and speaker who works with leaders who want to stop frustration with their volunteer boards. Through board retreats, workshops, keynotes, and planning sessions, Hardy provides solutions to board engagement challenges. Hardy's extensive experience with diverse organizations provides the basis for his comprehensive book, Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game. His result-oriented approach and ability to solve complex problems were developed during his longtime career in the high-performance world of NASCAR racing. That experience included strategic planning for some of the country's largest sports and entertainment facilities and spectator events. Hardy has also had more than a decade of senior leadership experience with local government, which further refined his skills in improving organizational performance. Hardy has a wide range of personal and professional involvement with nonprofits, associations, chambers of commerce, and community groups nationwide. He has held numerous local, state, and national volunteer leadership positions that have further contributed to his in-depth understanding of nonprofit needs. Hardy is a member of the National Speakers Association, Association of Fundraising Professionals, Board Source, Florida Society of Association Executives, ASAE, and ACCE. Hardy is also a faculty member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Organization Management. Hardy, I feel blessed to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are listening and share something else interesting about yourself so you can get to know you a little better. Brandon, thank you so very much for having me on the uh, Chamber Chat Podcast today and in the opportunity to visit uh, with your Chamber Champions. And I really like Chamber Champions. What a a great uh, label uh, to assign just a tremendous uh, group of people uh, that all uh, all too often uh, are highly stressed, overworked, undervalued, and it's kind of a, a bless their heart kind of a world. Um, and hopefully we'll have some uh, some help today to help alleviate some of those challenges. That's right. I I believe we will. I mean, as I had the opportunity to read through, so I'll, I'll introduce maybe a little premature, but we're going to focus our topic today on Hardy's new book, Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game. And uh, 
I really do think after having the opportunity to read through the book, this is a great resource. It's going to help alleviate some of those sources of frustration. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But Hardy, why don't you take a little bit of time to tell us a little bit more about your your efforts, especially in working with chambers as it comes to you know consulting and board retreats and things like that, just so I think everybody in chamber world is familiar with your name, at least. I mean, <laughs> they, they see on social media and whatnot, but just give us a, a little snapshot of, of what you offer for chambers as you do your consultant work. Well, thank you, Brandon. And in my approach, and, and of course, understanding there is a long time uh, personal and professional uh, background and, and relationships and engagements with chamber groups all across the country. Uh, and I really, really appreciate those opportunities. Um, when, you know, after a while and, and, you know, when you're in this, in this working with chambers, again, it, it's very evident that there's a tremendous uh, challenge there. Challenge and it's, it's the, the frustration associated with working with boards who are either not engaged enough, or perhaps in too many cases, engaged too much, right? Well, my career uh, in NASCAR racing was that of a problem solver. Uh, My task was to identify problems really before they existed and come up with the solutions to make sure the problems didn't happen. Or if a problem did happen, make darn well sure I came up with a solution that was going to get the fix. So as I work with with chambers across the country and and seeing the situation with with boards, uh, the disengagement or over-engagement, seeing the the impact, emotional, physical, mental impact that it's having on chamber professionals and also the impact of the lack of productivity of chambers being able to meet the, the true potential that they have in their given community. And so that's, for me, that's a problem that, that needs a solution. And I, I see, you know, in the sector, there's a whole lot of advice. Um, there's a whole lot of training sessions and there's a whole lot of consultants and there's a whole lot of speakers and a whole lot of books and articles and blogs and podcasts that talk about this topic. But what's happening? The problem's still there. So in my kind of, NASCAR mentality of, you know, taking the car apart at at the end of a race, nut by nut, bolt by bolt, and and putting it all back together again to to try to figure out why in the world did the car do what it did on that particular event. That was, that was my mindset and, and to look for solutions. So to, to get solutions that are going to be implementable and workable, um, what I did differently uh, to help the sector um, and our, our nonprofit uh, and chamber professionals, uh, Brandon, is I reached out to board members. So not from a staff perspective, the book represents the board member perspective of why, why don't you do what you're supposed to do? And the answers they shared with me are extremely revealing. And those answers and, and responses led to solutions that matched up and of course the how-tos for implementing the solutions matched up with the issues 
board members themselves shared with me of why the good members uh, become disengaged, uh, why members don't do what they're supposed to do, and also very revealing as far as, um, wow, chamber professionals, have you considered you might be contributing to the problems that you're having with board members? <laughs> you could be a problem contributor. So the book gets into that. That's absolutely right. And I've, I look forward to diving a little deeper into your book as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chambers of Commerce have been around for over 400 years, promoting communities all over the world. But today, so much is found digitally that Chamber Nation believes it's critical that there is a custodian of local digital information. They believe the Chamber is in a perfect position to be that organization. Chamber Nation provides an amazing membership management system you use to manage the Chamber and the community. They also deliver a complete membership development system that they manage for you to be sure your membership community is fully documented for search and much more. Essentially, Chamber Nation delivers an entire membership support department, which is perfect for those chambers with a limited budget that needs to do more. With Chamber Nation, not only do you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Hardy, we're back. And as you were You'd mentioned right before our break about how you had reached out to nonprofit board members and got their perspective. And I love that you went out and did that because it really does, it brings a, a different perspective to the whole approach. And as I was reading through the book and, and preparing for this discussion with you, the thought occurred to me that, and I would love to do a, a poll myself amongst you know, chamber executives to see how many chamber executives had experience working with the board before they started work in the chamber. And if you look at that, I'm, I'm going to guess there, there's going to be some that had some experience. Maybe they served on a board, you know, with another organization, but as far as being the executive director and in that role, um, I think your book really, it, it becomes kind of a manual to say, here's how you manage a board. Here's the things you need to look for. But I like that you you went to these board members with this survey. I, I'm curious to hear from your perspective. What are some of the more 
revealing responses that you got as a result, a result of that survey you did? Well, one of the one of the key things, and anyone who's involved um, in a long time relationship uh, with another individual, it could be personal, it could be business, understands that the number one key is effective communication, and so uh, underlying uh, use bold red, and for the word effective, so it's not just uh, communication. So what the board members in the survey shared with me that communication related issues, poor communication, communication that's not timely um, in, in a way that they're left surprised by a particular issue. In some cases, communication doesn't happen at all. Um, so a whole lot of issues surrounding communication is the number one contributor to board disengagement, or again, in a way that's not appropriate. And to, to go a little bit deeper there, uh, if you'd like, you know, when does, when does effective communication begin? Well, it, it, it begins in the recruitment process. Um, and so the communication is uh, being shared with a, a prospective board member um, of what the expectations are and what's the most important of effective communication is being a good listener. listener yeah. So yeah. when you're having the conversation with your board prospect, uh, are you listening to see if they're ex understanding the expectations and are you listening not for what you want to hear, but for what you need to hear, and that's their acceptance of fulfilling the expectations at hand. So that's that's one issue. Another issue is simply that, uh, you know, for our, our chamber champions uh, on the podcast today, uh, I just ask you to, to visualize your boardroom and look at all the faces around the board table. And for every single individual person you've got, every single individual represents a different uh, communication style, a different communication preference. Every single individual has a personal preference for how they want to receive information and also how they digest it or process that. So let me explain real quickly. You, you, you're the for the board meetings. I mean, I, I, it's unfortunate that so many uh, board, uh, excuse me, chamber execs have shared with me, Brandon, about just, oh my gosh, I've got a board meeting next week and I'm already in a panic. I'm losing sleep. Well, That's like a week ahead. And it's, it's, they're the same. They're just in a hot mess a week after. So it's like two weeks of time. They was lost out of a four week month. They're just mentally and emotionally destroyed because of preparing for the board meetings. So done a lot of great get the chambers that no, they're not going to be read, but they still have to, they feel obligated to prepare the reports. So instead of going through this upside down exercise of preparing information that no one is going to pay attention to, how about maybe asking your individual board members how they prefer to receive the information. In the day of multi-communication uh, platforms, some may want a full-on uh, written report with all kinds of data and pictures and charts. And okay, 
Some may want an executive summary. Some may just want a tweet, you know, is an exaggeration. But you've got to understand the individual uh, communication preferences, um, timing. You know, if you want someone to really read uh, your your reports, um, you know, having it at the board seat for the board meeting, not in advance, so that a busy board member has a chance to actually review it uh, in advance. You know, you're just you're just shooting yourself in the foot. So communication issues uh, are huge, huge uh, as far as creating dysfunctional relationships. Um, from what I can tell, you know, through the the communication, the the how and when of communication to make it effective, it's also critical to be able to help set expectations. So when you're talking about the the chamber exec who prepares the report, uh, they have an expectation of I'm preparing this. I would like for my board to read it, <laughs> at least look at it and give it, you know, pay some attention. So through the communication is the opportunity to. To, to put forth some of those expectations as well. Um, but I know the expectations go both ways, right? As, as we read in the book. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so you, you know, and this is a very important part. Um, you know, you just can't assume anything. And that's where I think so many chamber professionals, chamber champions, unfortunately get themselves into trouble. There's a whole lot of assuming. And so far, as far as expectations go, okay, well, it's the chamber, it's the chamber board, and everyone just knows what's expected. Well, you know, there's there's your expectations as the chamber uh, executive, and probably about 100% of the time, the individual board members individually and collectively have expectations. So is there any conversation happening at all? about merging the two sets of expectations or three sets. So yours, theirs individually, and theirs as collectively. So that's so critically important. You know, if, if, and again, in a relationship, are you asking or are you telling? And I, and I, I know from uh, my 48 year marriage with, to my wife, Debbie, and that, that, you know, there's a big difference between asking and telling. I've learned to finally ask. It took me a <laughs> while to get it, but I finally learned to ask. So, so the, the point here is, is you, you can't walk into a boardroom and say, here's what I or the chamber needs for you to do. You've got to ask, here's what we would like for you to consider. Are you willing to take on this task? And then even from a even from a, a planning session, um, you know, you uh, jumping ahead just a little bit maybe, but yeah. in in planning sessions, quite often um, chambers and for a lot of reasons uh, d- decide uh, not to bring in someone uh, perhaps uh, like you or I as outside facilitators to uh, facilitate a strategic plan um, development. Uh, the chamber executive, you know, uh, gets their their favorite uh, drink of choice and uh, spends a few hours writing up the plan, presents the plan at the board meeting. The board, of course, passes the plan, no discussion, and there you go. And then the board executive is so frustrated because no action is being taken on the plan. Well, why is that? And it gets into expectations and uh, being 
having clarity around expectations. And again, the communication aspect. One of my great friends who, who I quote a couple of times in the book is Dr. Jack Hawkins, who is the chancellor of Troy University in Alabama. And he said, Hardy, if they help bake the cake, they own the cake. So when you have a strategic planning session, you've got an opportunity where the board is actually involved, then they have a chance to evaluate or identify goals, objectives, the how-to actions, expectations, their role in the expectations and in implementing uh, the activities at hand and deciding what they're gonna do and what they're not gonna do. So the board role might be hands-on, uh, personal engagement, uh, they're actually involved in, in implementation, or their role could be supporting the implementation of a strategic plan by staff, but you get clarity. And then, so you've got a merging of thought and acceptance of the direction of four expectations. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. It it makes a ton of sense. And as you started touching on the strategic planning and helping these board members to bake the cake, as you say, um, it it leads me to to one of the other points I wanted to make sure that we could discuss. It really stood out to me, the chapter about creating a collaborative board. And there was a, a line specifically that talked about how the board should be able to take ownership of a specific problem in their their organization, their community, whatever it may be, and take ownership as they're the ones who are tasked to solve that problem. You mind speaking more to that and creating that collaborative environment? Well, yes. One of the one of the things that I've discovered just over time is is rather than really talk about strategic. Okay, we're going to have a strategic planning activity. You know, it could be a process or it could be an activity. There's a little bit of a diff there, but um, I've I've started using the terminology, Brandon, critical conversation. So the things that that need to be talked about, everyone knows they should be talked about and addressed and resolved is the important situation rather than not addressing them at all. To be able to have a critical conversation, um, I use uh, in the book, uh, a fantastic lesson uh, that I, in case study, I picked up uh, from the book, uh, Creativity, Inc. Now, I know that one of your recent uh, guests on the on the podcast was Pat Patrick, and uh, he, he talked about uh, how he and uh, my friend Dave Kilby really are great readers and are always just dropping in these books. I just wanted to kind of help kind of support that. So Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull. Now, Creativity, Inc. is about the success of Pixar, and Ed Catmull was, or still is, the leader of Pixar, helped create Pixar, and he's also now got um, a lead uh, dual role with Disney Animation. Bottom line here is, he says the secret sauce, and I I used to just think that that Pixar was, okay, they did Toy Story and a bunch of other cool movies that are are great to watch and a lot of fun, right? But Pixar animation is way more than just that. The, the, the movies are just, that's kind of a side hustle. But 
what Ed was able to do when he he saw such uh, dysfunction uh, because among the creatives, so just substitute the word creatives for board members, um, his creatives, the producers, the writers, the engineers, the graphic artists, the, the cartoonists, all of those individuals, um, the technical people, you know, highly protective of turf, uh, didn't like change, uh, couldn't get a, just couldn't come together to agree on a project. So as a result, movies were just financial bust because they were spending millions and millions and millions of dollars way over budget, taking way too much time to get done. So the fix was to create a collaborative culture and so that everyone figured out if they helped each other and solved each other's problems, um, they could actually get something done and be much more successful doing that. Now, what are some of the secret nuggets that, that Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull shared? He said the secret to all that is you have to have a safe place. So picture your board boardroom. Is your boardroom a safe place? Do new board members feel like um, it's okay to ask a question? Is it okay to challenge? Do all board members feel uh, safe and comfortable in challenging a concept? Maybe there's a new program uh, you want to uh, offer. Uh, maybe there's a new expense to be considered. Maybe there's a staff change. Um, you know, whatever it is, do your board members feel comfortable in it, in participating in an actively and openly engaged meeting? Do your board meetings matter? And just let that sink in. Do your board meetings uh, are they? Do they start at a time certain and end at a time certain? And to heck with any kind of robust conversation or engagement. Um, nope, it's item one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and we're done. See you next time. Um, are your board meetings, think about your who, who you want on your board, typically the most active and most engaged and most influential leaders in a community, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the blueprint that I see that every single chamber wants. Well, probably every single one of your board members has how many other activities they could have on their calendar at the same time of your regular board meeting. How many? Probably lots, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're making a choice. They're making a choice. Are they choosing to come prepared to your board meeting? Are they looking forward to coming to your board meeting? Because they know the board meeting itself is going to be stimulating. The, listen, this is so critical. Chamber champions, just, just pay attention right now. Go old school, get a pen and write this down on a piece of paper, for heaven's sake. Chamber board members are volunteers. You've got to understand that. Volunteers get involved because they want to have an impact. They want to make a difference. It doesn't matter if it's a chamber board or if, if it's a local nonprofit uh, dealing with a cause that's special to them. Let me repeat that. Board members sign up, say yes to being recruited to 
serve on your board because they feel like they're going to have a chance to make a difference and have an impact. Underscore that again. So if they're coming to meetings and they don't think that's going to happen, you know, they have zero expectation for their matter of fact, it's they're wasting their time. And you want to get a disengaged board member, uh, just show them that their time at a board meeting is wasted. Um, that's that, I mean, that's just like the circle with a big X right through the middle of it. You know, don't waste time. So make your meetings matter. Re reorganize, reorganize your agenda. Uh, if you need to allow an extra, extra few minutes to allow for discussion, allow for discussion. Don't worry about board meetings wanting to hurry up and get back to work, or excuse me, board members wanting to hurry up and get back to work. If the meeting is worth their time, if they feel like their opinion, they have a chance to share their opinion, get their questions answered, and it's all their opinion is being considered. It might not be approved or agreed upon, but it's being considered. They feel like, and they feel like they're having uh, an impact. It will be worth their time to stay. And you know what? It'll be worth their time to come a little bit early. So they're not just sliding in at the last minute uh, at 30 seconds before the start of the meeting. They might come a little early for, hey, how about an extra cup of coffee? And oh, by the way, what happens? If board, meetings, uh, board members, Brandon, are coming a little bit early before a meeting, staying a little bit after a meeting is over, what important thing happens? What happens? You build more of a team, a, a unity amongst the board. Absolutely. There's time for social interaction in the board. They may all know each other. They may all do business with each other. Their, their, their kids all go to school. They all play on the same team, have the same teachers, worship in the same place. Right. But in the board setting, they have so important. They have a chance for socialization. That reinforces, okay, this is going to be a safe place. I'm with people I have a positive relationship with. I enjoy being around. Make meetings matter, and you will have a board that is fully engaged in a very positive way. I love that. Great advice. There is another thing I wanted to, to have you touch on before we start to wrap up, and that is you know, in the, the chamber world today, there's a lot of focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And a lot of times chambers will look to their board and say, we need to have people of a certain type um, represented on the board to show that we serve, you know, all these different types of people and groups of people and, and whatnot. Um, share with us your thoughts about going about to, to create diversity on a board, maybe some do's and don'ts or things to be aware of um, before we start wrapping things up. Yeah. Absolutely. Such an important uh, question, such an important priority in today's in today's world. And and let me let me share, I am not an expert uh, on diversity. Um, I'm a little bit better uh, about inclusion. Uh, big, big difference there, but you've got to have the D plus the I. Um, what I did in, in recognizing the problem uh, that needs help 
um, you know, here's some important research. Unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, on the positive, the good news, bad news. So the good news is uh, chambers included, but the good news is most nonprofits in this country do have a state positive statement about uh, wanting to have increased diversity within their organization, specifically within their boards. That's the good news. The bad news is the research shows very few organizations have actually um, made any progress, taken any action at all, which is even worse. The reason why, and, and not, to, not to find blame here, not to point fingers of, of fault, it's because so many people have well-intentioned individuals don't know how. What I did was in the book, I, I relied on two um, highly qualified experts on diversity and inclusion. And uh, Dr. Shirley Davis, world-renowned expert, uh, I interviewed and have some tremendous how-to advice. Um, and also uh, Jim Taylor, who is the vice president uh, for leadership development with BoardSource. Now, I will share with you, both individuals are persons of color, um, and they are willing to share uh, their personal experiences on being recruited uh, strict for, to board service strictly because they're persons of color. And that's it. No consideration of qualifications of which they're tremendously qualified. And that presents a huge mistake. So that's an entire topic all in its own. Brandon, I would highly recommend paying close attention uh, to that particular. I've devoted an entire chapter on how to achieve diversity and inclusion in the book. Thank you for asking about that. Absolutely. I think it's such an important topic. And before we all just, you know, go crazy and wild trying to recruit a variety of, of diversity on our boards, let's make sure we're we're doing it in a, a thoughtful way, a meaningful way that's really going to keep you know, all of the board members engaged, especially those you're trying to bring on of, of maybe diverse backgrounds. Um, but Hardy, before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, what might be one tip or action item that a chamber champion could take to help elevate their organization up to the next level? Brandon, this is, this is probably, probably one of my favorite tips. Um, so Chamber Champions, here you go. Here's the secret sauce. This is what you've been waiting for. Pay attention, please. Be intentional about board relationships and start that intentionality with recruiting board members with purpose and process. Establish, and we've talked about this, establish clarity on expectations, yours and theirs, and make sure you're you're matching up in the matching up in the middle for the, the sweet spot. And th those are the expectations that are gonna get that are gonna happen. And don't assume, don't assume that the direction of your board one year is the same as it's gonna be the next year or in future years. So be intentional about board relationships. That is a great tip. Hopefully everybody, if you didn't have a chance to write it down, hit the backup button on your, your podcast <laughs> player and listen again, <laughs> commit it to memory. Uh, Hardy, what would be, well, I, I like to ask everyone I have on the podcast this question is, is we all like to look to the future and try to be prepared. How do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Wow, what a you know, that's that I, I could just say what a loaded question, but 
yeah, you know, being clairvoyant, okay, it's all here. Um, here's what I see. Uh, chambers, like all organizations, um, are challenged with staying relevant. Uh, another book reference for you, a good speaker colleague, consultant colleague of mine is Mary Byers, uh, who wrote 10 years ago, Race for Relevance. She's just done an update, um, a 10-year anniversary edition of Race for Relevance, and it's about associations, uh, huge, huge reference uh, throughout the book to Chambers of Commerce and, and nonprofits as well. But Chambers, again, like all organizations, have got to be able to adapt to find new ways to implement the, the three C concept that Chambers use, you know, of being that converter, catalyst, and champion. So the way that you approached that concept 50 years ago or 100 years ago, if you've paid attention to uh, Chris Mead's excellent book, uh, Magicians of Main Street, fabulous, fabulous a book about, about the history of chambers of commerces across the United States, um, you'll know that change and challenge has been a part of chamber world from the very beginning. So what we're experiencing now, what we're likely to, or what we will experience going forward into the future, it's no different. It's just coming from a different place. So there's always going to be change and challenge, and chambers have got to be able to adapt. My solution, my how-to to be able to get the tool for adapting is benefit from a fully engaged board that's used as a high-value asset. And stop the nonprofit board blame game. We'll show you how to do that. I love that. View your board as a high-valuable asset that they really are. So don't, don't take advantage of it. But Hardy, I, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. I'd like to give you an opportunity to share any contact information with the with Chamber Champions listening. Let them know where they can find the book. Um, anything you want to put out there as we wrap up? Well, thank you so much, uh, Brandon and Chamber Champions. Thank you uh, for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to, to all of the Chamber Chat podcasts. You know, what a great uh, source of information uh, that you have. And thank you for what you do in your communities across the country. Um, I'm easy to find. HardySmith.com is my website. Uh, you can find the book, all the links to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And uh, all of those links are there on the website at HardySmith.com. I'd certainly welcome uh, hearing from uh, chamber uh, champions who have maybe a particular issue they'd like to, to have some pop-in advice on, email me, hardy at hardysmith.com. Uh, I certainly welcome connecting on LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well. So that I look forward to continuing the conversation uh, with Chamber Professionals. Thank you. Absolutely. And I'll I'll get all the, the contact information with links to your, your social media and book links and everything in our show notes for this episode which will be found at chamberchatpodcast.com slash episode 163. But Hardy, it's been a pleasure having you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast, bringing a lot of value. And really, I'd love for everybody to pick up a copy of his book and read it because it really will save you a lot of frustration and uh, 
Thanks a lot, Hardy. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. From frustrations trying to connect with decision makers, to trouble demonstrating value, to difficulties adjusting to an uncertain post-COVID world, who does your membership rep turn to for expert membership sales advice? Holman Brothers can help right now. Their year-round next-level coaching program supplies a total coaching and mentoring support system in a way that's never been available for membership pros. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next-level coaching.